Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello. Amen, amen. Good morning, Centerpoint Church. How we doing this morning? Come on, I said, how we doing this morning? Are you guys ready for the Word of God this morning? Yeah. I'm so excited uh, to jump in uh, this morning. I believe God's got something for us that He's going to shape us and mold us. The beautiful thing is um, every time we get into church, we can open up our hearts. We can hear from the Lord. And His Word, like a double-edged sword, can cut into us and shape us and transform us. Amen? So I hope that you came ready to get uh, transformed. Um, I had the privilege of being the youth pastor. And, and um, yeah, so I'm so excited to bring the word this morning. We're in this series called Legends. And uh, I'm excited to talk, to talk about another legend. We all know him growing up in Sunday school. His name is Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons have father. Sing it with me. And I'm one. There it is. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, but him left. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Abraham this morning. So if you will, can you turn with me to Genesis chapter 22? Now, just a, just a little poll before we get started. Is there anyone in the room that loves taking tests? Raise your hand if you love taking tests. Wow, Daryl. Okay, that's about the response that I thought I was going to get. All right, all of our lives, we grow up taking tests. And most of us, we don't like taking tests. I don't know if you've been in that space when you're about to take a test and you're praying for Holy Spirit to give you the answers because you know that you did not study, because you know that you do not have the answers. And you're like, Holy Spirit, if it's C, tell me C. If it's B, tell me B. I will follow you, Lord. You didn't study the night before, but you will follow Lord, the Lord in the test. And, and I believe that God as believers, he will bring us through tests in order to fashion us and shape us into his likeness. Sometimes he will bring us through a season of testing, of proving, of refining our faith that, so that he can show what is deep within us. You see, in Deuteronomy 8, 2, I love it so much. Moses says to the people, he says, the Lord led you through the wilderness so that he could humble you and test you to show what was in your heart. For God's sake? No, not for God's sake. For your sake, God will bring you through tests to show what is already in your heart. See, what going through a test does is it reveals what you know. It reveals what you know. You either know the information or you don't know the information. And when God brings you through a test, it reveals what you know about him. It reveals what you believe about him. And I just want to, before we jump into the testing of Abraham with his son Isaac, I just want to um, just, just cut through some of the ideas we have about tests. The first is this, is that God's tests are oppressive. Now, I've heard people language like this, that, that God's coming after me, that even God will do bad things in my life to make a way in my life. Listen, God is not causing bad things so that he can test you. That's called the bad father. But God will lead you through things. He will bring you through things to bring out Jesus in you, to bring out faith in you. The other is this. We use tests as a scapegoat. <laughs> The Lord's just testing me right now. It's like, no, your own decisions are. 
<laughs> the Lord's just testing me right now in my family and my marriage is like, no, you're the result. You got to change a little bit, you know, right? So we can't use it as a cop out, but there is a testing of the Lord that he will bring us through a season of testing to bring out his son in us. Are you with me, church? So we're in Genesis chapter 22. The main title of my message this morning is Trust God in the Testing. Everyone say, Trust God in the Testing. In the testing, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, this guy named Abraham, he was called by God. God gave him a promise that he would have this promised son named Isaac. And he said, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless the nations of the world. I'm going to use your family to bless everybody around you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. God calls him at 75 years old. Abraham doesn't receive his promised son, Isaac, until he's 100 years old. Just have that in your mind. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, says this. Sometime later, God tested. Everyone say tested. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Listen, before we get into the message, I want to be like Abraham. God, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, and Abraham's response is not, what? His response is, yes, God, here I am. You see, at the end of the day, I only want to be responsive to the Lord. I just want to be responsive to his voice. I just want to hear his voice. I just want to recognize his voice. I, I want the noise to be canceled out so that when God speaks, when God calls, I respond. And I think we can learn something from Abraham because we were designed to hear the voice of God. All of us were designed to hear the voice of God. But how many of us know in life there's a lot of distractions from the voice of God? There's a lot of distractions from the voice of God, from hearing his word, from hearing his call. There's a lot of noise in our society. There's a lot of systems in place that can keep us from hearing the voice of God. But when Abraham hears his name from the Lord, he responds. Can we start there? I just want to be like Abraham. You know, Abraham wasn't a perfect dude, but he was quick to reply to the Lord. He wasn't a perfect dude. And God gave me this revelation. I think it's kind of cool. It's just a little nugget for us this morning. When God called Adam and Eve, what did they do? They hid from him. And God shared this with me as I was reading this task. He said, Aaron, every time you respond to my voice, you show that the fall no longer has a hold on you. Every time you respond to the voice of the Lord, every time you listen to his call, you are reversing the curse. You are living separately than what Adam and Eve did. Because when they heard their names, when he said, where are you, what did they do? They hid from him. They didn't answer him. Every time you answer the Lord, you reverse the fall. That's good news. All right. Amen. So he says, yes, here I am, Lord. Genesis chapter 22, verses 2 through 3. God says this. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up, he saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with him along 
with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and, and set out for the place God had told him about. Now, if you'll join me real quick, and we can just take our Sunday school hats off. This text is problematic to me. Our good God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Can we just, what? I don't know about you, but if, if I heard a voice telling me to sacrifice my child, I would say, not today, Satan. <laughs> What's going on here? This is problematic, especially when God, he says in Jeremiah, actually three times in Jeremiah, I've been reading through Jeremiah, it's what inspired me to do this text. He says in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 31, he's talking about Judah sacrificing. They've, they've begun to sacrifice their children to other idols. And he says, they have built pagan shrines at Topeth, the garbage dump in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. And there they burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Get this, I have never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. And I'm reading this in Jeremiah saying, but what about Abraham, God? This text is problematic, a little problematic theologically for me, all right? But we're not going to get to that quite yet, okay? But it's problematic in another way, okay? We're gonna, just hold that real quick. We're going to answer that, okay, this morning. It's going to be awesome. But, but it's problematic in another way. Why? Because Abraham was waiting for his promised son Isaac, his only son, the person that God was going to bring the blessing and actually the promise through for 25 years. Think about Abraham struggling in faith to, to, to believe God for this promise. He's 75 years old. He's growing older and older, and he has Isaac when he's 100 years old, way beyond the years when you should be having a kid. He's put signs out. God, show me a sign that you're going to come through. He's battled disbelief. He's laughed at God. He's tried to maintain faith at God. He's struggled and he's failed over this promise. And then God says, hey, the promise that I've given you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give it up. This is crazy. A couple weeks ago, we, Jeff T. Osborne came in and he spoke this message about Possessing your promise and stepping into the land and receiving all that God has for you. And I, I love that receiving what God has for me, receiving the promise. But what happens when God calls you to lay down the very thing he's promised you? What happens when God comes to you and says, hey, I, I know that I've promised you this, but I'm asking you to lay down what I've promised you, and this gets a question in my mind, is my hope in God or what God can do for me? Is my, is my trust in God alone or is it in what God can do for me, how God can bless me, how God can give me? Is my trust in the Lord Almighty or his blessings? See, what God is doing in this moment is he's testing Abraham's desires. Abraham, is your desire for, for your blessing, is your desire just so that you can be a great nation or is your desire to obey me? 
God is testing his desires. And speaking about tests, I, I just want to give us two equations, okay, that changed my life when it came to relating to God. Two equations. The first equation is this. The giver is greater than the gift. The giver is greater than the gift. You see, there's this, these texts in scripture. Paul says it, Jesus says it, but Paul speaks to the, the Corinthians and he says, what's greater, the house or the builder of the house? He says, he says, what's greater? Jesus says, what's greater, the temple or the spirit that fills the temple? Romans 1 says, what's greater, the creation or the creator? God in the Old Testament says, is it the altar that is really important or the spirit that makes the altar holy? God presents these questions. I want to ask us this morning, what is more important, the gift or the giver of the gift? The blessing or the giver of blessings. You see, because in our consumeristic culture, we can start living based on the blessings of God and seek God as a genie to do something in my life than seeking God for God himself. Then seeking God because he's good, seeking God because he's faithful rather than seeking God because he can do something for me and he can change things in my life and he can give me blessings monetarily or otherwise. No, no, no. We don't seek God because of what he can do for us. We seek God because of who he is. The giver is way greater than the gift. If you put your hope in gifts and blessings, you will find yourself in disappointment because you're missing the point. The point is relationship with him. The giver is greater than the gift. The other equation is this. The giver equals the gift. The giver is the gift. Jesus says this. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock, the door will be open to you. Why? Because I will not withhold my blessing. No, I will not withhold the Holy Spirit from you. What are we asking for? God to bless our lives? No, I'm asking to know him more. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to invade my life. What am I seeking? Am I seeking God just to make my life better? No, I'm seeking his presence. I'm seeking his goodness. What am I knocking at the door for? Is it for God to change things in my life so I can be okay? No, I'm seeking to know him more. Seek the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray in front of other people. Otherwise, that will be your reward, the recognition of people. Instead, close your door. Pray to me in private, and your father in private will reward you in private. What's the reward? It's him. <laughs> And the reward is him. The giver of the reward is him. The giver equals the gift. And I, I had this moment with the Lord this past week. I'm like weeping on my bed. <laughs> because, because in my own heart, I feel like it's a, a spirit of the time to think that God owes us anything. And, we're getting, and we get angry at God when he doesn't come through. And we get mad at God when he doesn't do things the way we wanted to and the timing that we wanted to. And I'm weeping on my bed saying, God, you do not owe me anything. Yeah. 
You've done enough. You are my great reward. You are the gift. If you did nothing else in my life, you've done enough. He's done enough. I'm not waiting on a blessing. I'm not waiting on a reward. I'm not asking for God to bless my life. He is my blessing. Relationship with him is my blessing. It is eternal life. What is eternal life, Jesus says? To know the Father and the Son whom he sent. It's Jesus alone. It's Jesus alone. The giver is greater than the gift. And the giver is the gift. Genesis chapter 22, verses 4 through 8. Abraham obeys. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. You starting to see the prophetic picture here? He placed the wood for the offering on Isaac's shoulders. While he himself carried the father, fire and the knife, as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, Daddy? <laughs> yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. Everyone say, walked on together. Can you imagine this? You're traveling three days journey. You see at a distance where God's called you to do something that you do not understand. Calling me to sacrifice the very thing that I've been waiting for 25 years to get. And then my son asked me, hey dad, just a quick question. Uh, we don't got a sheep. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm kind of young, Dad. I, I, I get out. We haven't done. I haven't done a whole lot of sacrifices, but I know that you need a sheep for a sacrifice, God. Dad, I, I know you need a. Hello. <sighs> Abraham's heart pounding. What do I tell my son in this moment? Abraham steps out. And he has no idea what he's doing. He just knows what God has called him to do. He has no idea. He's just walking in obedience. He doesn't know where the sacrifice is. He doesn't know how it's going to work out. He doesn't know why this is happening. You see, oftentimes we, we, we speak about how, how fear is the enemy of faith, which I believe. But I think oftentimes certainty is the enemy of faith. I don't know about you, but I've caught myself a lot of times in my life making an idol of my understanding. Worshiping my own understanding over God's word in my life. Worshiping my own perception, my own perspective, my own ideas. In, the, in our culture, we like, we give me an outline, give me bordered, ready to go. I want step-by-step -step process. And sometimes when God was building the temple, he gave step-by-step. -step, but most often he says, go, and we go. 
He says go. He doesn't give you a lot of details. Why? Because God in this moment is testing Abraham's actions. He's testing his walk. And Abraham is walking with his son to sacrifice his son, not knowing what God's going to do. But I love it because this is the reason he's the father of faith. He, he walks by faith surely and not by sight. Why? Because faith allows you to see things that other people can't. I love this. This, this stuck out to me in Genesis. Uh, I think it's in verse 7. Um, oh, it's in verse 8 or 7 and 8. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And Abraham says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Listen, I don't know if he was just trying to comfort his son in this moment, like, oh, God's going to provide a sheep. But I get the sense that it was done by faith that God was going to do something. That God was going to come through in some way. And Abraham was able to see what God was going to do because he remembered what God had said. He remembered that God was going to bring a blessing and that he promised him a blessing through this son. So Abraham resolved to say God is going to do something even when Isaac couldn't see it. You see, walking in faith means seeing things that other people can't see. I don't know if you remember the story of Elijah with the servant when he's praying for rain and the servant goes seven times to check if rain's coming. And each time he comes back and says, there's no rain. There's not a cloud in the sky, Elijah. And Elijah says, go back. And the servant comes back. And he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah was able to see rain before the servant was able to see rain. Why? Because he was able to trust in God's promise and he knew God was faithful and he didn't tr trust in his own certainty and understanding. He walked by faith, not by sight. He walked by faith and not by sight. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. You don't hope for what you have. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the assurance. It's the confidence of things that are invisible. How are you confident in something that's invisible? How are you confident in something that is unseen? Faith is the substance within you that says, even though I don't see it, I know him. Even though I don't feel it, I know him. Even though I can't see what God is doing, I know he's going to come through. It is the substance within our spirit that goes beyond human logic and wisdom and understanding. And what may seem foolish by human reasoning is wisdom to God. Yeah. Are you with me, church? Yeah. We got to let go of our idol of our own understanding and certainty because I think that certainty is actually becoming an enemy of our faith. I'd rather be like Abraham and say, God, I don't understand, but I say, I obey. I'm going to go after it. Listen to this. It goes beyond this. Abraham was able to see something that Isaac couldn't see. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. Get this. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready. Everyone say, I'm ready. He was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned. Everyone say reason. 
Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive, okay, spoiler alert, did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham reasoned, I, I don't know, uh, uh, but logically, someone who dies does not come back from the dead. Human reasoning tells me, uh, God, if you tell me to do this, where's my promise going to come through? You see, Abraham, why he's the father of faith is because he operates from a different logic system, a different reasoning system, a faith reasoning which says, even though I don't understand, God said, so I'm going to listen to what God said, even believing that if Isaac, the promise, the one I've been waiting for for 25 years, even if he dies, God will raise him back from the dead. What crazy faith. Abraham is thinking to himself, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to come through, but I'm going to obey the Lord. The means by which he comes through on his promise are not up to me. Also something I notice, Abraham walks by faith, not by sight. But something that stuck out to me is this isn't the first time Abraham started walking. God comes to him in Genesis 12 and says, I want you to leave your homeland, your country. I want you to take your entire family, and I want you to move. It's not the first time he started walking. And I wonder if that 25 years on waiting on the promise and then receiving the promise had had created a sight that only faith tested could bring. I wonder if that 25 years of, of trusting, and, and it wasn't perfect, he didn't do everything right, but he waited on the promise and he received the promise. I wonder if, if in that season he developed a faith sight, a sight that only faith tested could bring because of what God had brought him through and had delivered him from and had given through him in the promise. He was able to look back then and said, God, if after 25 years you brought the promise, you're going to do it again. What you did in the past, you're going to do it again. And if we want to walk past uncertainty and we want to walk in faith, sometimes we got to look back at past seasons and say, God, if you were faithful, you're still going to be faithful. If you were faithful in my walk and you brought me here and you brought me this promise, you're going to do it again. Amen? You're going to do it again. And if I can just steal a point from Brenda speaking two weeks ago. She said that the line of Jesus came through Rahab. There was a bigger picture. Isn't it interesting that they traveled three days? Abraham, the father, called to sacrifice the son Isaac. Wood placed on Isaac's back. Father walking up the mountain with him, know he was offering his sacrifice, offering his son in obedience. Abraham had no idea that his obedience had the weight of a prophetic picture of the son to come, Jesus. What if your obedience is bigger than you? What if God can do more through your obedience than you could even understand in your mind? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And what if us walking in obedience is not just for us, but it's for everybody else around us to realize the faithfulness of God? He tests his desires. 
He tests his actions. He tests his walk. And then he tests his beliefs. Dab. I'm a youth pastor. I had to do it. The dab testing. Here we go. Ready? Genesis chapter 22, verse 13 and 14. Actually, I'm going to continue reading. Gen- uh, 9 through 12, in verse 9, sorry. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, thank God, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Does that sound familiar? Abraham was living his life moment to moment, listening to the voice of God. Moment to moment, responding to the voice of God. The same reply, Abraham, yes, Lord, here I am. Waiting moment to moment, just in case God was going to change direction so he could follow. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. The ram... So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. This is where it comes from. The Lord will provide the sacrifice. The very thing I thought I was going to lose, God ended up giving back to me. The very thing I thought I was giving up, God provided away. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, let's talk about this sacrifice of Isaac real quick, okay? This blew my mind. Told you it was problematic for my spirit, and I was like, what is going on, God? You see, Abraham lived in a culture where how you related to God was to sacrifice to get their blessing. To Baal, to Molech, how would you relate to the gods? You would sacrifice. And the people in his day were sacrificing their own children to appease the gods. Abraham was living in a culture where to sacrifice your son to the gods was commonplace. And because of the culture that Abraham lived in, he developed a perception, a belief about who God was. It's the very reason that when God asked him to sacrifice his son, he doesn't say, that seems a little immoral, God. I said earlier, if if, if I heard a voice, sacrifice your kid, I'd be like, devil, get away. Why? Because he's living based on the cultural assumption of who God is and how you relate to the gods. You sacrifice and get their favor. You sacrifice and get their blessing. You do what you say and you give up what you have even to the point of your own children and that's how they bless you. What God is doing in this moment in asking God to sacrifice his son and then providing the sacrifice is he's correcting Abraham's beliefs about him. 
He's saying to Abraham, just so you know, Abraham, I'm not a God who requires or needs your human effort and sacrifice. I'm the God that provides it for you. Just so you know, I'm not like the other gods in your culture. I'm not like the other beliefs that people have where you have to appease me by bloodshed and sacrifice. I'm a God who provides the sacrifice for you. Why does God care about your beliefs? Because what you believe will change how you relate to him. It'll change what you think you need to do in order to appease him. If you think that God is high up in the clouds, you probably won't get close to him. If you think that God is pointing out every sin, you probably want to stay away and not bring up out your sins and not be honest with him. If you think that God is a certain way, it will change how you relate to him. And what Jesus, what God was saying in this moment here to Abraham is, you're not going to relate to me in the same way everybody else does. You're not going to think that you need to do in order to get. No, I'm the one who provides the sacrifice. No, I'm the one who provides the blessing. No, I'm the one that chooses you. No, it's not you trying to appease me. I'm already appeased with you and I will provide the sacrifice. All throughout scripture, the scriptures point to this, this, amazing, this amazing thing that, that God, he, he doesn't need us to sacrifice in order for him to be okay with us. The prophet speaks, God doesn't delight in your sacrifice. He wants a contrite spirit within you. He doesn't desire your sacrifice. He wants obedience. Don't believe me? Psalm 40, check this out. It's good. <laughs> Psalm 40, look at this. David says to God, you take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come as it is written about me in the scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. The NIV puts it this way. Then I said, similar to Abraham, here I am. I have come. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your heart. God doesn't need anything from us. He wants us to listen to his voice, heed his voice, and obey. He wants a heart that's actually marked by him, that says, Lord, I'm going to obey even when I don't understand. I'm going to walk after you even if I don't get it. I know that you don't require sacrifice. You've already provided the sacrifice for me so that I didn't have to provide the sacrifice. All you require now is a heart that's willing to say, here I am, Lord. When he calls, we obey. When he speaks, we listen. That's the kind of heart that God wants. That's the sacrifice that he wants is your attention. He doesn't want religious theater. He doesn't want shows. He wants a heart attentive to his voice, seeking his will, and deeply changed and carved by his word. This is the relationship that God wants with us. Abraham, in this moment, 
He's recognizing, God, even though my desire is to be blessed by you, I'm willing to obey you to the point of actually giving up that blessing so that I can have you. God tests his desires, and then he walks out in obedience. He obeys God, and his actions are tested in this moment to say, God, Abraham, will you still follow me when you don't have all of the answers? Will you still follow me if it's not neatly ordered and put together? Will you still follow me if everything is not certain? And then he tests his beliefs. He says, Abraham, you've been listening to the cultures around you. You've been listening to other ideas about who I am, but I'm going to show you who I really am. I'm not a God that needs your sacrifice. I'm not a God that needs you uh, to do something in order for me to have favor on you. I'm a God that provides the sacrifice for you. And still today, he's the God who provides the sacrifice for us. What happens? Let's just finish it off. Genesis 22, 15 through 18. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name. (laughs) You can't swear by anything higher, can you? I swear by my own name. God's saying, I swear by me. He was swearing to God. That's weird. He says, he says, I swear that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Listen to this, all because you have obeyed All because, oh, I'm good. Oh, maybe I'm, I've never done this before. This is kind of cool. I feel like a preacher now. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's good. I feel like a preacher now. Can I hold it out of my back pocket too? <laughs> I'm done. Okay. What Abraham was called to lay down he receives back from God. What he thought he was losing, he ended up gaining all the more. You see, this is a principle in the kingdom. The more you give, the measure with which you give is the measure with which you receive. We live as open-handed believers, open to whatever God wants to do, and in letting go of our need for blessing, God ends up blessing us anyway. It's a principle in the kingdom. As, so, as soon as I started, as soon as I stopped chasing God for blessing and just started chasing Him for Him, my life ended up being blessed. Why? Because I'm not in it for blessing, I'm in it for Him. I don't know how it works, but it works. (laughs) And it's the same thing with a relationship with Jesus. When you lay down your life for Jesus, 
He gives it back to you in Jesus. Some of us are holding on to this gift of life as if it's your own, as if it isn't a gift, as if you somehow earned your life and are holding on to it. And Jesus says, if you try and hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you let go of your life for my sake, you will save it. And this prophetic picture of Abraham putting the wood on Isaac represents the father putting the wood on Jesus who held the cross for us to be our sacrifice, to forgive our sins, to say, no, 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 you can't clean yourself up. You can't make yourself better. You can't do it your own way. I am going to be the one. It's the same God. Jehovah Jireh back then, Jehovah Jireh now. I will be the one who provides the sacrifice for every wrong and every misdoing, every sin. I will put it on my back and I will be the sacrifice for you. And in your obedience of laying down your life, you will receive mine. So we say, Jesus, listen. This is, this is the response. Jesus, I, I trust you in the testing. You're doing something in me right now. God, God, I, I don't want to seek you for blessing. I want to seek you for you. God, I, I don't want to idolize my understanding. I want to go after you. God, I don't want to hold on to my own life or live by the beliefs of the common day or the age or the perverse and crooked generation. I want your beliefs, God. I want your theology, God. I want relationship with you, God. And so right now, I lay down my life and I pick up yours. And I want to give the opportunity this morning to anybody who's in the room who's saying, I've been holding on to my life. I've been holding on to my sin. I thought this life was mine. I've been making the gift bigger than the giver. And I've been angry at God because I thought I was seeking blessing, but really I needed him. I thought that I was seeking favor, but really I just needed him. And I want to start a relationship with God this morning. So if we can pray together this morning. If that's you and you're in the room and you're saying... Something's happening in my heart. I need Jesus. There's something's going on. <laughs> I just know that I need a relationship with Jesus. I've been living in a wrong way. I've been living in sin. I got, I got stuff I got to lay down at his cross, and I need a fresh relationship with him. All he asks, uh, asks of us is to obey. What obedience looks like to God in faith is to say, God, I believe in you, and I want my life changed by you. I believe you died and you rose again, and I need you. So if that's you this morning and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to step into this relationship, can you do me a favor and just raise up your hand right now? And I see you right there in the back. Awesome. That's you, you're saying, I need Jesus. I need a relationship with God. Anybody else? Saying in their heart, I need you, Jesus. I need a relationship with you. I just want to wait. I never want to rush this moment. Awesome. 
take your hand and just put it on your heart if that's you and you raise your hand. Just put your hand on your heart for me. Say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. <laughs> I believe you died and rose again for me. I believe you love me. And I need you right now. Forgive me, cleanse me, and to make me new. Give me your heart, give me your eyes, change my focus and my perspective. Heal me, Jesus. I just want to love on you <laughs> and be loved by you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Come on. Why don't we stand together?